KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. A lot of folks want to do their best to try and eat relatively healthy. Now, wanting to do something and actually doing it, well, that can be two different things. But often a lot of the information about diet and nutrition people get as they try to eat better is less than desirable. And like a lot of things in our society, people in many cases take the advice of someone they saw on social media rather than that of a trained professional. We wanted to talk about the problem of nutrition misinformation, so we caught up with Melinda Boyd. She is an assistant professor in the Department of Nutrition at Cedar Crest College in Allentown. So to start, when I was talking to someone about interviewing you, they basically said that you said nutrition is the original fake news. I don't know if that's a direct quote or from paraphrasing, but kind of give me, uh, give me the why. What a, you know, that's in this universe of fake news we live in that, that that's a red flag for me. So what what are we talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's more or less a direct quote, you know, for me, I, I always talk to my students and, and I'm trying to help them find the right information on the internet there's information just, it overwhelms us all the time. And I'm trying to teach, you know, where do you get the right information from? And, and I found that I started telling them over the last, you know, couple of years is nutrition really is the original fake news. There's so much out there. There's a little kernel of truth in the information. You know, it, it all starts from somewhere with a little piece of correct information, but it's sort of snowballs. It's almost like this, you know, game of telephone where one person says something, they have a little kernel of truth in there, you know, and then they kind of twist it and make it their own. They pass that information on to someone. It gets twisted a little bit more. Somebody adds their take to it. And then, you know, they pass that on to another friend who then, you know, maybe mentions, oh, I was, I was thinking about eating this, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about weight loss. I'm thinking about what I can do to, you know, help my digestion or something like that. And then somebody passes on this information and it gets twisted a little bit more and, and so on. And, and then next thing you know, it, it winds up in a Facebook post and then it winds up, winds up as a infographic and somebody, you know, puts their own spin on it. And so, you know, it, by the time two years later, that information gets around to someone else, it doesn't really have that truth or that information that's correct anymore. Is this something, and you, and you kind of laid out the, you know, the the game of telephone, which I think is a very interesting way to put it. Is this a social media age problem, or is this something that has always been throughout our history? It's just on steroids because of the speed and tenacity with which it can move in a, you know, in a Facebook or Twitter world. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I I think that that you nailed it right there. You know calling it on steroids, but it, it's definitely, that's this modern problem. And, and that information travels so quickly when we put it out there on the internet. Um, but, but I think that the problem with misinformation or fake information or, you know, twisted information, whatever you want to call it about nutrition has really been around for years and, and anything involving health, it's, you know, an ever evolving field when we, you know, want to talk about health and our bodies and the foods that we eat and our nourishment, you know, those topics go way back and, um, and, Many years ago, it was just still word of mouth. People could say it. It could be printed in an internet or a flyer or somebody standing on a street corner trying to sell a magic elixir for weight loss, whatever it might be with a, a sign up. And, and we didn't have iPhones. We couldn't take pictures of it. It's not like that was going to wind up on the internet back then. 
And now that information can just change hands so quickly. And we can share that information so much faster that even one small piece of misinformation can get out there really, really quickly now. And so I, I think that it's really amplified at this point. I'm sure there's not a one size fits all answer to this question. But for the most part with this, are we dealing with good faith errors, people trying to to help people and maybe just not quite understanding how X works with Y and stuff like that? How much of it is it a lot of grift where people are just trying to squeeze what they can out of people financially? Is it people that just like to go against the curve and all these people say to do this? So I think you should do that. And I have a podcast, so you should listen to me. Or are we some kind of combination of everything? Yeah, absolutely. I think I would say that in my experience, most people, it's in good faith. They're just sharing information that they think is truly helping people. It's information that's been passed along to them. Um, maybe a little bit of it helped them. They, they might have followed some of that advice or information, and they just want to share it. They just want to be helpful. Um, you know, everybody is looking to be their, their best version of themselves. And, and so people genuinely, I think, are, are doing it in, in good nature that they're giving this information to someone else thinking they're helping. But where is it coming from? You know, and so it, it's trickling down from somewhere. And I do think that there are, you know, uh, not as many, but certainly individuals out there who are, you know, they have an agenda, they're looking to make money. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to come up with the next big fad or craze or something that someone can, you know, hop on, uh, and, and that profits them in the long run. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people wind up taken advantage of, and they're the ones who are doing most of that, sharing that, you know, um, misinformation out there. Um, and, and they're doing it in good faith, but it's starting somewhere, I think, with a hidden agenda or um, an attempt to, to make money. I mean, if you look at a lot of the top diet books out there, the fad diets, you know, I have students all the time who say, oh, this diet is just like this diet. It's really similar. Well, of course, it, it has to come from somewhere. It already exists. Somebody changes one little, you know, restriction on it. Now you can't eat this, but you should eat this. And next thing you know, they can publish a book, they can have a website, they can put out products in their own name. But in reality, you know, it all stems back to somebody, you know, that two years prior, you know, hot diet that everyone was following at that point. Um, and so everybody's kind of just tweaking this information in their own way uh, and coming up with something new that they can find. And, and a lot of times they're profiting off of that. And that's, um, you know, unfortunate for me as a, as a dietitian, because we just want to help people and that information is out there and, and it's not fancy. So we kind of can't compete with, with the other information out there. To that point, there's a segment of this country and probably the world, but specifically this country that doesn't, we've learned in spades, don't trust public health officials, don't trust what doctors say, but they will trust what, you know, somebody that has a podcast or an influencer on TikTok. Do you run into a lot of those same things that people won't take what you say or you'll get a yeah, but in response or uh, but they will take somebody on Instagram, no questions asked. Do you find yourself fighting these same battles? Every single day. Absolutely. I, I would say that a lot of my job over the last decade, maybe five years, you know, to, to narrow it has been this sort of combating misinformation. And somebody comes in with walls up already when they walk into my office, they say, 
I don't want you to tell me what I can't eat or, you know, someone told me this um, and it worked for them. I saw my friend, they look great. Like, you know, what are you going to tell me to do? You're just going to give me a list of things I can't eat. And, And that's not really how I practice or how I operate. But I spend, you know, if I get an hour with a patient, my first 30 minutes might be trying to sort of talk them off this ledge where they already have this wall up in resistance and they're ready to just say, well, I don't believe you. I read from this person or I saw this video or, you know, on Facebook, you know, these are the top 10 foods I should be eating today. And you just told me three of them are not healthy for me. But I, I believe, you know, that infographic that I saw, you know, passed around on, on Facebook. And I, I think that, you know, it becomes a big challenge because I don't actually get to do my job anymore of, of helping people to make, you know, appropriate choices for themselves because it's a very individual um, thing, the foods that, that somebody would need for the day or how to fit those into their um, lifestyle and their work schedule and, and how that really works. And now here I am, you know, trying to explain why, not necessarily to say I'm right and they're wrong, but why what what I'm telling you is is the right information or correct information, and maybe where somebody might accidentally be steering you wrong. Um, but it is a big problem. People are are much more likely, I found, to follow someone else um, that they found on the internet, an influencer or somebody um, that doesn't have any training at all in nutrition uh, over what I might have to say to them. So I'm curious what are a couple things that constantly come up from a nutrition standpoint that are just wrong? I would imagine. Are there a couple things that you get recited back to you that you just want to bang your head against the wall because it's yeah. not true. It's not close to being true, but maybe it's widely believed or it's just something that keeps bubbling up. Are there a couple of examples you can give me of things we just get wrong and you can't kind of clean them out of the ecosystem? Definitely. And there's always going to be, you know, outliers or or things where it does actually work for someone and that information or, you know, even though it might not be necessarily science-based for some reason, it might work for someone. Um, And there's always a chance that somebody met that one person that something actually did work for, Um, you know, and, and, and nutrition is this, you know, we find that a lot of people try and fit it in this black and white kind of context. And there's, a lot of gray area when it comes to nutrition. Um, and, and it's never really black and white. So it becomes really, really difficult because there's no like, like set rules. You know, we, we've got evidence, we've got this science behind things, but then there's always ways that that sort of has to be tweaked individually. But, but I would say that, that for me, and I, I'm sure a lot of dietitians would agree with this. Um, the big one is no carb, low carb or no carb, you know, get rid of it entirely. And and I find that across the board with patients and with my students um, that I work with, particularly if I'm talking with someone um, who's just taking a science elective in nutrition versus, you know, I've got a graduate nutrition student by now they know that science behind it. So I think a lot of people are doing um, more harm than good when they, when they get on those sort of um, cycles of fad diets that they follow, almost all of them wind up being this low carb or no carb. Um, And the body does need carbs. And and I think that, you know, some of the, the misinformation goes both ways, right? I find that a lot of individuals, when they come to me and say, you're going to tell me I have to eat carbs. And I feel so much better when I don't eat carbs. And you know what they're imagining, we, you know, as those public health officials or, or dietitians or physicians is when we say you must eat carbs, it's like the giant, you know, um, Italian restaurant size, you know, four days worth of pasta on a plate, right? Um, but really, it's, you know, a cup of whole wheat pasta, two slices of whole wheat bread that you might make a sandwich on, um, you know, 
per meal, we're talking about, you know, these really small amounts, a cup of oatmeal at breakfast, that kind of thing. When we say eat carbs, it's not, you know, we're saying eat cakes and eat all these things. And, and so I think a lot of people have misinformation around that. And they're afraid that these American uh, government-based guidelines, when they say eat carbs is like eat all the carbs, right? Um, but, but the guidelines um, for disease prevention, um, disease management type stuff, we're talking about 45 to 65% of the diet coming from carbohydrate. And so for me, when someone says low carb, I say, great, no problem, 45%, right? Somebody wants a little more carb, I'm, I'm talking, you know, something more like the 65% range, but, but overall it's a balance. And so when someone says to me, low carb or no carb, I think, well, if you get rid of something, it means you get too much of something else. And so now we're really not in balance. So the low carb, no carb thing, I think is, is the big one. And um, another one for me, let's see, in terms of misinformation, people probably get really angry with me when I say coconut, um, but coconut being this super healthy food. Um, and so I always say, you know, there's room in the diet for a little bit of coconut, but it's not coconut all of the time, right? I've had a couple patients uh, show up who have literally just been doing a ton of coconut and they're wondering sort of why their labs and other things are off. Well, again, too much of something means we're not getting enough of the other stuff. And so, um, so it's not quite the superfood um, that, that it's made out to be certainly can fit in a healthy diet. There are some, um, you know, potential health benefits, but the risks often outweigh that by the time you start consuming large amounts. I'm trying to see if I can think of another big one. I, I think for me, it, it's the low carb, no carb that that's the one that people really can't let that thought go. And I, I think that that's because we're just so inundated with fad diets and every single one of the big ones over the last, you know, I've been a dietitian for just over 15 years. It's always been a version of low carb, no carb. That's the devil. Don't eat it. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, and like I said, all I'm talking is a cup of oatmeal for breakfast, two slices of whole wheat bread on your sandwich at lunch and dinner is a cup of whole wheat pasta. And, and, you know, it's not a ton of food um, or a ton of that carbohydrate. Why do you think, and it seems like to that point of, you know, no carb, why do we struggle so much with the idea of moderation? Because it seems like that's kind of key in a lot of this, that, Yes, you can do X, just don't do 17 of X. And, you know, I'm exaggerating, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it just, it seems to me we just really struggle with the idea that you can, you know, barring medical problems and stuff, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can do a little bit of this. Just let's not go nuts and maybe go for a walk four or five times a week. Like, I, I don't mean to simplify it, but a lot of it, we just struggle with the idea of, of moderation. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and, and it's, and, and, and you were right on that, you know, even if you have, you know, in some cases, obviously, you know, um, you know, if, if you have kidney failure or other, you know, issues like that, but even for someone with diabetes, right, there is a way to find that balance and to fit things there. Um, I think that in my experience, what I found is a lot of people have this all or nothing mentality. Well, if, if I can't do it at all, you know, then the alternative is all of it. Um, and, and it's hard to find that balance. And I think that we find that, you know, it really ultimately comes down to, you know, I, I work in nutrition science, but a lot of it's behavioral science, behavioral change, um, and, and psychology and things like that. And so it's working with people to find that, that there can be that balance. But I, I think that 
you know, and Americans in general just have a hard time with that across the board, you know, with work, it's either I'm not working or I've thrown myself so far into something I'm passionate about that, you know, it's hard to, to step away from that. Or, um, you know, we find out a hobby that we really like, and we go from, you know, zero to 60 with that. And next thing you know, we're like completely absorbed and involved in something. And sometimes it's great and really helpful and, and has these really positive effects on our life, but other times it can be really draining and stressful. And so I think that across the board, uh, we see that. And so it's not just with eating, but because we have to eat regularly throughout the day, it's just one of those habits that we see ourselves um, doing. And, and I think a lot of it comes from, you know, being told about, you know, fad diets and kind of doing these and, and being involved with your friends, because a lot of it's the social aspect. Um, when you get involved with, um, you know, fad diets or, or something that has a following. I mean, you know, that's the whole concept behind that fad diets is everybody's doing it at that period of time. You have a community or a social um, sort of aspect to that and a group of, um, you know, friends and, and peers who, who can help you and provide that motivation uh, along the way. But then you stop that. And so you don't have the structure, you know, and, and things that you're following anymore. And then you rebound completely in the other direction because you've been so restricted for so long. So we go through these cycles of being restricted and then kind of um, splurging on things and kind of making up for lost time rather than just having this balance um, throughout the, you know, throughout the day or throughout the week. Um, you know, one thing that I, I like to, to talk with my patients about is, you know, you don't need to eat everything right now, right? There's another meal just a few hours down the road, right? So you you might enjoy this, you might like this right now. Let's eat a little of it, that's moderation, right? And save a little for later on. Like you don't need to fit everything in all at one time. But I, I do think there's a lot of all or nothing um, thinking and it really gets us into trouble in all aspects of our life. You mentioned a coconut as a, you know, a food that some people <laughs> believe is a maybe a lot does a lot more than it does, or they, they think it's a silver bullet or whatever. Is there anything at the other end of the spectrum? Are there any foods or concepts that would be really good to incorporate on a regular basis that just, you know, as opposed to this disinformation, which is everywhere that these concepts haven't broken in to the to the narrative because maybe they're not real popular foods or, or whatever, or is there anything at the other end of the spectrum? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever really thought of it that way. I mean, in, in general, it's, you know, we sound like broken records, eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more fruits and vegetables, but you know, everyone's out there trying to find, because again, we're looking for trendy things. We're looking for fads. We're looking for what can be on that top 10 list of best foods for 2022, right? All those lists are going to start coming out soon. We're looking for that. And people are looking for things that are exotic and that are, you know, different and catchy and maybe a name that we can't quite pronounce because it comes from another country. And so it's new to us, but we've got all of these things that were great to begin with that we forget about and overlook because they're just simply not cool anymore, right? Like just some romaine lettuce, tomatoes, and carrots is still really healthy. We just kind of forget about that because we're going to go for the kale, superfood, you know, cranberry, walnut, whatever it might be that we're looking for something sort of, you know, fancier, or a little more, um, you know, just more exciting than, than just your basic stuff. So I, I think a lot of the, the basics, like getting back to the basics of just healthy eating and, and the roots of things. And, you know, I think that, um, whole grains is a, you know, just really overlooked. And that doesn't just mean like wheat, like whole wheat, like whole wheat pasta. 
Um, but, but oatmeal and, and just, you know, even brown rice or some of the, you know, um, more exotic type sounding things like quinoa, um, or camet or, or those types of things, but getting back to whole grains and, and building those meals that, that utilize, um, some of those staples and things that we can keep around in our pantry that don't have a short, you know, shelf life. Um, and just adding vegetables to them, fruits, you know, you don't have to go out and buy these really fancy, expensive berries that, you know, are, are being imported and, and not really in season and cost a lot more money when apples are, are still nutritious, right? Like, and, and they're everywhere and, and we grow them here and you can probably pick things up local. Um, you know, this time of year, we're doing lots of apples and, and pears in our house. And, and I think that some of those things have just been overlooked. So maybe we do need to get back to some of the basics. To your point about you mentioned kale. I've heard this about blueberries and th- these superfoods that they're, you should incorporate them into everything. And it, it's good. I'm not saying they're obviously not good for you, but are they at this another level? Is this legitimate or is this kind of great branding and marketing that has uh, allowed these foods to outkick their coverage, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's great branding. Um, it really, really is. And and you know, I I talk about this often with students, with my patients, or you know, really anyone who will talk to me on the street, right, and who wants to talk about this stuff because I I love it. Um, you know, being able to talk about it. But but you're right. It's it's branding because really, there's not nothing super about the food. And in fact, it's a term that I I really hate, but I get it. You know, I get it for media. I get it for people who are trying to make a top 10 list because, you know, that's what sells or that's what people are interested in and, and it'll get clicks and that's okay. But in reality, foods themselves independently are not good and bad. We have healthy diets and unhealthy diets. And those are made up of all the foods that goes right back to what we were talking about, you know, with moderation, um, you know, and finding that balance between things, you know, you might have an unhealthy meal when you, you know, go out for, you know, brunch on a Saturday, but that doesn't mean that the rest of your day is ruined or that you're unhealthy overall. There's still room for it later on. So with those superfoods, they're only as healthy and as good for you as the rest of the diet is. And so I use this example a lot with students that you can, you know, eat, um, really, really healthy all the time and then have a piece of chocolate cake and not be unhealthy just because you had a piece of chocolate cake with that. But if you eat chocolate cake all the time and then find that, you know, top 10 superfoods list to take three bites, you know, of the top three foods that are listed, you're not going to be healthy just because you ate those superfoods. And so it's really the diet overall. That's a great place to get started to find things, but the foods themselves aren't super. It's the nutrients in them. And there's tons of other stuff out there that have the same nutrients too. You know, yeah, you're right. It, the top ten list, and this and this time of year, you just get besieged with them because everybody in the media has run out of ideas, and they just want to get to the holidays. Uh, are we doing ourselves a disservice with putting something like food on these types of lists? Like, it's not a vacation spot. It's not a new automobile. Like, we need like we don't have a choice in the matter. We need this. Is it? Are we doing ourselves a disservice by trying to sexify it and and glamour it up here? Yeah, I, I, I think so, because I, I think that ultimately, you know, that's what what drives the spreading of this misinformation, because those are the things that people are so interested in that they, you know, put those lists on repeat. I mean, I, I have, you know, friends and acquaintances on, on Facebook where I can see a list shared. of These are the, the top 10 things 
that you want to eat or, or the top 10 foods for fat burning or the top 10 foods for your brain health. Um, and, and then we get fixated on these things and we forget about the other things, you know, do we only want brain health? Well, no, we want the rest of our body to be healthy too. Do we want to lose weight? Okay. Maybe for some of us we do, but ultimately is that the right goal to be focused on that? Shouldn't health in the end always be the end goal for everyone kind of regardless of, of, um, you know, weight or what you look like, uh, on the outside, that kind of thing. We really want to make sure that we're paying attention to health on the inside. And so I think when we get, you know, fixed on those lists and kind of, you know, it, it, it draws us back into that sort of fad diet cycle. And I, I think ultimately that is something that, that does us more harm than good. Um, and like I said, I, I think a lot of people aren't sharing those things with the intention of doing harm. They're really trying to help someone. I just found 10 foods. They're going to do all these great things for me. You should try them too, so that you can be super and, and great and awesome too. And, um, but ultimately I think that, that it just kind of limits us and it gets us stuck in this mindset of, you know, a, a dieting mindset. And, you know, I, and, and when I'm talking with, with students about this, oftentimes I think the wellness industry is, is actually helping to keep us unwell because the whole point is to, you know, we're generating revenue, you know, we, these are businesses, people are looking for ways to make money. And so you have to come out with the next big thing. And so you're only as well as, um, you know, the wellness industry lets you be, if you're permanently healthy and permanently well, you can't come back and invest money back into the wellness industry, right? Like if you learn those real secrets, the real true information about how to be healthy, we can all do it on our own without having to reinvest and spend money um, again, and, and you know, if someone says to me, I, I follow this diet, this diet worked for me, it was awesome. I'm going to do this diet again, because it works. And I think, well, did it really work? Because if you have to go back to the diet again, to lose weight again, because you regained weight after the first time, did that did that diet or did that program really work for you, right? Um, and, and it becomes problematic, we get hooked in these, you know, cycles where we're on something and we go back off that plan but then we have weight regain and then we come back to it or, you know, we have periods where we think we're healthy and then we're unhealthy again. And then we go back to being healthy and then, you know, unhealthy again. Um, and it really becomes this cycle. And, and I don't think that, you know, necessarily all of the influencer influencers out there, you know, um, and, and Instagrammers and, and TikTok and, and all of those social media things. I don't always think that there's, you know, harmful intent there. Um, but somebody more at the top is passing that information along and people get, get hooked and caught up on that. And then they share that information. And, and I think that ultimately the wellness industry, I don't think the intention ever was to keep people unwell, but I think in, in money mark, in money making, um, it does come back to having to put something new out that somebody can invest more of their money and time back into. So, and you talked earlier, I kind of want to bring it back to close to where we started, how you'll have sessions with patients and the first half hour is kind of trying to break through the wall. How often are you successful with that? Because uh, I know, you know, when you're talking about like political disinformation, like people are dug in and the more you push, the more they will retrench. Are you able to, do you feel more often than not you're able to get through and they appreciate and understand and, and you maybe help them on a different path? Are there a lot of people that... Maybe you can tell that you get a smile and a nod as they leave, but they're just going to do what they're going to do. Uh, how successful do you feel you are at, at getting through all that? 
It's a great question. I feel like the safe answer for me to say is probably 50-50, right? Um, and, you know, the pandemic really didn't, didn't help a whole lot because follow-up with patients kind of fell through after a while. Um, but, but I'd say it's about 50-50. And, and a lot of it comes with having to establish a relationship and a connection with someone once you start to break down those walls and, and find small little goals and things that they can work on. And, and while I might not change their mind hundred percent about everything that they believe, if I can at least get a couple pieces of information through to them um, that they can utilize and, and maybe apply with some of that misinformation, I mean, ultimately, yes, the misinformation is harmful, but unless it's truly going to do someone harm where I have to say, look, if you do this, you are really risking your health at this point in time. And it doesn't usually come to that. And so for me, it's kind of, you know, pick your battles, right? I've, I've learned that over the years. When I was a brand new dietitian, I wanted to tell everyone to stop what they were doing, change it. You're doing it all wrong. You have to do this and give this a try. And I learned that people do not want you coming at them hard like that. Like they're not ready for that. And it takes a lot to do behavior change. And so if I can just give them a couple pieces of information that they can integrate with the things they're not going to let go of, you know, I pick where I think I can change their minds on stuff. And so, you know, maybe, maybe some small uh, improvements there, but I would say that, 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 maybe 50% of the time, those individuals really do thank me and say, oh my goodness, I really didn't know, um, you know, what, what was wrong with this information or why this wasn't true or how this could potentially be harming me or, um, you know, or not helping me, uh, that kind of thing. And, but, but it's tough and it, and it takes time. And as dietitians, we don't always have that time with our patients to make an impact. And we hope that they, you know, follow up and come back to see us and, yeah, sometimes they do come back and, and thank me down the road and, and then say, you know, is there something else you can tell me? What, what about this? Is this really true? And, and hopefully you build that trust where they can finally say, I read this on the internet. Do you, do you know if this is true? Sounds too good. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.